Do you fear the zombie uprising? Are you prepared to survive what's coming? If you listen very carefully, you might just make it out alive. This is Zompocalypse Now. I want Kyle McLaughlin to be in this show, I really do. I want him to be an FBI agent who shows up and is kind of on their side, but also has to maintain appearances. Well, you know, if he was a G-man back then, I don't think he would be on their side at all. No, no, there wouldn't be well, a lot he would of be, that. He'd be like a like under, undercover, undercover, you know, trying to change things from the inside while being chased by razor-toothed dirt demons. Or, well, I'm not going to say that that was not, there were not people in the FBI who were trying to do that, because there were. They weren't very successful for a long time. <laughs> Of course, it was also still being but, run by Hoover at that point. <laughs> but that's not what we're talking about right now. Right now, we're talking about Letty and the Black Haunted House. I love the Black Haunted House so hard. This episode was fantastic. This episode, episode three, was fantastic. Episode three of? Lovecraft Country. We cut to Tim for intros. The Lovecraft Country. <laughs> Hi, folks. This is Zompocalypse Now. And yes, we are talking about Lovecraft Country. This is episode three of this show talking about it. We're also talking about episode three. And it is called Holy Ghost. And it's based loosely on the same section of Lovecraft Country that is called Dreams of the Witch House. Title of a Lovecraft story. Um, I think- all titles of a Lovecraft story? Well, it's less so with the TV show than it is with the with the book. For example, Holy Ghost, there's no Lovecraft story called Holy Ghost. Uh, the next episode is called A History of Violence. Again, nothing with a Lovecraft title. They're leaning a lot more into um, connecting the titles of the TV show with more of either what's going on culturally or, again, leaning into what's going on in the episode. Yes, this episode three is fantastic. It's absolutely fantastic. Yes, it is. Why? Why is this uh, good? Um, because I think I was thinking about this because uh, I remember when I watched this episode, I texted you guys and I was like, this very well could be my favorite episode of television that I have I have seen. This might I've be never my favorite seen you gush like that episode of TV ever. You, you usually um, can't be bothered about anything, but right. you gushed. You actually gushed. And um, you actually, when we were we were recording for episode two, you were like, "I don't necessarily know if I feel that way." Why do you I feel that way? I don't feel that way, but it and was really good. It was a good episode, but you just weren't feeling it the way I was. And uh, and and when you said that, like, "Why do you feel that way?" I was like. I just do. I do. I feel it. <laughs> and so over the last, in between that recording and this recording, I've thought about it. And I watched episode four while I thought about it. And I re- I think I realized what it is that made me feel this way. Because it took a character that has been backseated for the majority of this season, for the, you know, two whole episodes. But uh, it took Letty. And it brought her into the foreground and it gave us, I like episodes where it takes a character in an unexpected direction and you get to, to see a new side to a character you're learning about, or you get to have the entire paradigm of the show shift away from the people you think are supposed to be central onto someone else. And not only that, but the peril felt completely real throughout the whole thing. And Letty's just a stone-cold badass (laughs) from beginning to end of the episode. And I don't know, it just all came to a perfect storm to where I just, like, I loved it. I just loved it. I can agree with that to a point because, again, like you said, we're three episodes in. So it's hard to decide to have a character be in the background when she's been a pretty big part of the first two episodes but she has not necessarily been the main character here she does get a chance to be the main character of this episode i think it also if you had any questions about what kind of show this was going to be aside from dealing with the fact of supernatural threat but also the very real experience of racism in 1950s 
you still don't know by the end of this episode. You don't actually know by the end of the fourth episode either because they have switched genres in <laughs> three out of four episodes of this show. Right. Uh, which is which is fantastic. Um, and it kind of, it's one of the ways that it seems to align to the book in an interesting way because the book's set up like an anthology. These are all stories about individual events that all tell part of a bigger story. And here it's, it's we're going to play in different genres and still tell a larger story. So it's kind of a neat way to play with that. You know what? I think the addition of setting it in the 60s and making uh, the systemic racism of that time prevalent in the storytelling mm -hmm. makes it possible to bring Lovecraft to the screen because you're adding an element. And I think that may be what Lovecraft needed in the first place is well, one more element. Right to drive the story forward. And by making it a story of the 60s and of racism, it also doesn't allow for us to hide behind, oh, Lovecraft was just a science fiction author. The things that they are experiencing are things that Lovecraft, you know, it was all about. It seems like it like, ought to be fiction. Yeah. Oh, but I mean, Lovecraft, you know, was was racist, was terrified of anyone that wasn't like him. And we are being confronted every single episode with that racism over and over and over again. Because this was a real period of time, Jim Crow America was a very real thing. And it mm -hmm. hasn't entirely gone away. But it, because it was a real part of history and a documented part of history, you're they're allowed to go to some really, really dark places in terms of the human story and put the characters in jeopardy in a way that it's hard to do now. So if you're trying to do a love, well, when people have tried to do Lovecraft stories set in the modern era with some degrees of success, but they all tend to be cosmic horror stories where there's not a, generally a mundane human threat as much as mm -hmm. there is tentacle beast from beyond time going to eat my soul. You know, <laughs> that's, that's your primary threat. Here, these are people who are just trying to get by. They're trying to exist in a country where the power structure is stacked against them just in a horrific manner. Mm. I mean, just looking at this episode and you get into the scenes where, you know, you buy a house and move into a neighborhood. And this still goes on, by the way. I just, I just, read, a new, I just read an article about this today where, you know, somebody who isn't, they're not one of us. They've moved to our town. We've got to do something. Yeah. Interloper. If you were to take the cosmic horror out, you still have dramas about people going through these terrible situations, adding in Lovecraft, adding in the cosmic horror, adding in a cult, adding in, you know, monsters in the woods. That's just adding another layer to it. It ends up being less about the cosmic horror and more about, oh, you're going to give me a cult on top of this? Yeah. <laughs> right. Great. <laughs> You know, ghosts? <laughs> sure. Why not? Right. Haunted now, mansions? Before we get into the details of the episode, I have one question. Well, I have a mm. question. It sounds like, oh, it's so important. It's not. Do you think that this show is going to turn into like an X-Files kind of thing where the story is going to get so incredibly deeply convoluted? Or do you think they'll wrap things up as they go? Well, I think... Uh, from everything I've heard, uh, even though Lovecraft Country has been a hit, it is only these ten episodes. It's not going to be a like a series where oh, next. That's right. Season, we did discuss that last episode, didn't we? Yeah, there. I mean, unless you guys have heard something that I haven't heard. No, no. I think we're only getting the ten, and despite the fact that this TV show has diverged from the book quite a bit, which is how adaptations work. By the way, this is not a complaint. This is how this works. This is the reality of moving from one storytelling medium to another. Well, if you're one of the 17 people that's listened to our show since the beginning, you've heard us, especially when talking about The Walking Dead or Fear the Walking Dead, talked about like you cannot completely perfectly adapt media. Right. There is no such thing as a perfect adaptation. You have got to change things for television or for film. You can't do third person you know, perfect narration where every single character in your book is an ensemble piece in a movie. You're going to have to focus on somebody. Right. But Hollywood will see this as a great success and they will say that works for them. Now let's us do it. And oh, but, yeah, we're going to get like probably 15 or 20 clones. Yeah. And it'll not, be like, 
You know, instead of Lovecraft Country, it'll be, I don't know, Agatha Christie Cabin. I don't know. <laughs> I would watch that show too. I'd watch uh, the show. Give me, man. give me, you know, give me more Ray Brad. This this is the kind of storytelling that could actually work of like taking some of Ray Bradbury's stuff. Bradbury Boulevard. I could see it. Because Bradbury was more about telling sort of social fairy tales. He's described as a science fiction author. And certainly his stories have spaceships and robots and all the things. But that's really not what Bradbury was writing about. Everyone talks about Fahrenheit 451. And it's like, the reason he wrote that is because Bradbury hated TV. Mm. <laughs> he thought television was a, was a blight. It's about him thinking that, that television is going to damage reading. <laughs> so that's what good science fiction fantasy is supposed to do. It's supposed to be a metaphor that you can draw from. Well, yes, exactly. Lord of the Rings is basically about the industrial revolution and addiction. Basically, there's a lot of cool ways to look at this stuff. I am not going to complain if the lesson that Hollywood learns from this show is more stories about people who don't look like me. I am a middle aged. But, but my guy. point they're is, they're going to miss the point, dude. They're going. Oh, oh yeah. They're probably there. The thing is, is that once we get into the idea of the lessons that Hollywood learns, that's a whole separate show, <laughs> which we could do one of these days. Right. Less the good lessons to learn and the bad lessons they learn. But if they learn episodes from this that says we need to have more TV shows. That may, you know, whether it's science fiction or fantasy or horror or just drama, where we're telling more stories about people who aren't middle aged white guys. I'm on board with that because I tell you what, I've lived my whole life as a white guy and I've made it to middle age. And frankly, most of my stories are boring as hell. Mm. So, quite frankly, telling some new and exciting ones would be, I'm, I'm, I'm on board. We'll have to see what lessons they do take away from this. The good news is, is that. We have it now, and unless they really screw it up, it's going to be 10 episodes of really enjoyable television. Well, I mean, four out of 10 so far. Yeah, so when we get to four, we'll talk about some of my problems with four, but even with the problems I have with four, I liked the episode a lot. Yeah. So I did not have too many problems with episode three, which we have been talked about without actually talking about yet. So <laughs> let's talk about episode three. Okay, episode three ends or begins with a black screen that says that uh, in you know in the in the nineteen sixties it says a year. I, I should have paid more attention. I should Hold have. On, let me just say this is this is definitely not the nineteen sixties. It's the nineteen fifties, and it a, makes a big big difference in terms of Jim Crow America, though. So. Well, ugh. well. Uh, so anyway, it says the the title card says that. Uh, this was not the first time that something like this has been attempted. There was another black family that moved to a white neighborhood at some point before this, and they lasted 10 days before they were basically gave up and left their house. And so that's how we're open. This day one, Letty has come into some money. She says she won the lotto, and she has bought this really nice house in a nice white neighborhood and she's bringing her sister there to show it to her and she's like we can open a boarding house this can be our new start you know you and me we can finally be sisters and uh and of course her sister is completely skeptical yeah because because yeah because she owes her a lot of money Right. So she's like, yeah, yeah. And Letty's in a bit of a ne'er do well. She, you know, she flits from place to place and, you know, she's friends with hooligans and, you know. And not only that, nobody believes it when you tell them that you won the lottery. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and then they get to the house and it's, it's, it's a fixer upper. Mm-hmm. It's huge. Um, standing at the sidewalk looking in, the first thought is, this is a murder house. Yes. Uh, oh. <laughs> oh yes, I was very excited. That's another thing. I love murder houses. There's uh, a house so. in town that there's a house here in my little little bitty town that looks like that, which is kind of a big deal because a Victorian mansion thing in this little town of you know one story farmhouses with basements, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. kind of like what? How did this happen? 
Did Where did you come from? Murder house. Uh, yeah, it's a murder house. Did a banker used to live here. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> the, they start kind of getting things moved in, and and uh, Letty is, has all of her artist friends like helping, and things are starting to happen. And all of a sudden, the neighbors show up, and they park all their cars outside of Letty's new house, and they put bricks on the horns, and they just let the horns go. And that's the first sign of the intimidation that's coming Letty's way from her neighbors. And this was a very real thing that actually happened, by the way. This is a way that this they would it literally was psychological warfare. They would just, you know, and and there the people in the neighborhoods would let everybody else get away with it. There was Mm -hmm. no one no one was gonna come in and defend these people. Right. And in 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 that time that was a really big deal because after your battery ran out, you basically just left your car there because no one understood at that time that they could be recharged. Okay. <laughs> That's not true at all. I just made that up for fun. So, But Letty was not deterred. And no. so she is, she moves in people and they have a big party and the night of the party, everybody kind of shows up. Did I skip something with Atticus? Atticus. Yeah. Yeah, you did. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, <laughs> so so what Dustin left out is that they actually start the episode actually starts with a funeral is the first visuals. Oh, right, right. And, I thought we covered George. And this is George has of course died in in the previous episode um, from the gunshot wound, and you can really see that Letty is not dealing well. There, that's one thing that the unrun the undercurrent through this episode as well is that. Letty is dealing with the fact that she died mm-hmm. and this, you know, she went through this really traumatic experience and now they're back here and people are acting like nothing happened except George is dead. And Atticus is staying with George's family. And while it is great to have him around the house, he sort of outstayed his welcome. Mm-hmm. And George's daughter thinks he's great. George's wife is a little tired of it. Well, and not only that, she can tell that she's not getting the full story about how George died. Right. They have not explained the whole cult thing and monsters in the woods to her. Kind of understandably. Atticus goes, he's like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go. Because you know, he, he's smart enough to figure out that <laughs> it's time for me to go. And then he tries and goes and stays with his dad. Which, for like five and a half minutes. Yeah. Because they don't exactly get along. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, first of all, his dad is, is... I'm apparently an alcoholic, full-blown alcoholic. Um, there's some other things that we'll have to see how the episodes play out, but there's some other stuff that his father seems to be hiding, good and bad. He quickly realizes that staying with his dad, mm, probably not a good idea. Right. And maybe he should just leave town. So on his way out, he figures he's just going to stop by and say goodbye to Letty. And then, of course, the neighbors start their thing, and, and he decides he's going to stick around. Right. A little bit longer. She's not happy, by the way, that he's talking about leaving because there's this tension between them. Connection. And, yeah. And, uh, well, he's cute. She's hot. You know, I mean, people are going to well, think things. Well, they're also, they're also an example of that, that particular trope in fiction where they were childhood friends. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, and then they didn't see each other for a long time. And he grew up handsome and went off to become a soldier. And she grew up hot and went off to become a singer. And then they came back to the same town. And, and the there they of, are. The laws of storytelling say they have to hook up. Right. Yeah, the laws of, <laughs> the laws of television say that they got to Sam and Diane it for like four seasons. Except they're they not, don't do that. No, they don't do that. <laughs> they don't do that. Because the night of the party, uh, everybody's having a great time, and Letty's having a really good time. And one of the neighborhood buddies comes up to to Atticus and says, "Hey, hey, I've been looking at Letty, and I just wanted to let you know that, like, if you aren't interested in her, you need to let me know because I am, and I'm going to go for it." And Atticus is like, "Oh, I think she knows that I'm interested." And they look over and she's like dancing all up on some guy and the other guy's like are you sure yeah like the 1950s version of like grinding mm-hmm. her vagina on him just it was like she was showing an ankle like crazy yeah <laughs> takes her into the bathroom to talk to her mm-hmm. and, and uh they end up having sex in the bathroom like, yeah, like on the sink sex for the yes. first time. It's weird because he's like, oh, well, first of all, it's weird because she bleeds. 
and and he's like, oh, and she's like, oh, I just started my period, and I'm sorry, I didn't expect for this to happen, or I would have told you. And he's like, no, 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 it's fine, it's fine. And then he like leaves, and she starts crying. And later we find out that it wasn't necessarily her period. This was her first time ever, like having sex. Yeah, because everyone's got this idea that she is, mm-hmm. you know, just loose and easy. And like one of the guys who will show up in episode four again, uh, I think you want to say he's like the bouncer at the bar. Mm-hmm. The yeah, yeah, yeah. Attic- oh, he's got it. He he's got his little system too. He like he'll like sidle up to somebody and make a little salt small talk. And before he leaves, he's just gonna say something like, you know, if that's your girl, you probably better remind her. Uh, yeah, yeah well, just, then he walks off with a smug little. Mm-hmm, I said that to you. Well, and he's, <laughs> yeah, and he does the same thing in episode four. But we yeah, won't. he does exactly the same thing. Well, because he That's basically there and implies to to Atticus that he slept with her in high school. Yeah, I mean, he's just like, oh yeah, I got to You know, I did that in high school. Maybe I'll do it again. And it's everybody looks at Letty and they see they make they make up their mind about what kind of woman she is because of the life that she leads and yet here it turns out no she's you know this isn't this is not who she is mm-hmm. and there's the connection that she feels with Atticus the fact that she's willing to go there and do this with him how much that turns into a real relationship or how much it is the fact that she died yeah they went through this nightmare situation together and right. you know that brings people together. It also drives people apart, by the way. So those of you who are hoping these two are going to be together forever, maybe not. We'll have to see how it plays out. But And also it just seems so fast. Like everything in that bathroom happened so fast that, you know, even watching it, I was like, Whoa. Mm-hmm. Yeah, know? that was, that was, uh, that was, that was a good one. Well, it didn't I, make me feel weird. It was like, just like, oh, these guys are doing part of the story. Yeah. And they're not doing something that's supposed to turn me on, which really freaks me. I don't like that shit anymore when movies do that. Oh, when you're like, watching we're going to throw this it. in here so you can kind of get a chub in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> it's not. Yeah. No, she, it's, just tell me a story because I'm a grown up now. Well, it's kind of the sex scene for this was we've, we've had two sex scenes in this show. Mm-hmm. in three episodes and the first one was this loving you know couple who've been married for a while in episode one that's it's right. very it's very natural and relaxed and they're laughing and they're teasing each other and there's a real sense of intimacy with to that which is really cool because it's really hard to do here it's two people who just have the passion is right there and they just go for it it's not about love it's physical need and they make that come across just as well as they had this really intimate scene come across in the first episode mm-hmm. so you have two people who need this really badly it doesn't hurt that they're they're both really beautiful people <laughs> you know but at the same time it's not shot like a normal sex scene is shot we spend a significant chunk of this scene looking at Atticus's back mm-hmm. and a lot of these sex scenes, you know, we'd, we'd linger over, you know, Letty's legs or Letty's breasts or all the things, you know, we've all seen these sex scenes, right? Where it's all about, right. here's, yeah. here's how beautiful. Get a close up of her nipples for the dudes. Right. <laughs> but that's not what this scene is. And it is very, very quick. It's very much about, you know, the need these two have right now. And then it's over and they're uncomfortable. Yeah. Right. I love that. That scene had a more realistic complexion than than uh like 99.9 of the sex scenes I've seen. Even in porn, you know, let's it's not pretend that's not a thing. I was just a little shocked by it. By all those things you mentioned like the abruptness of it, the way that it just kind of seemed like you know, it wasn't necessarily about connecting. It was just like they they just couldn't help themselves. They and, had to feed. You know, mm-hmm. Yeah. I was really taken off guard by it. And then, you know, after he leaves and she cried, I was like, what is going What is happening? We don't have long to, to, to think about the ramifications of the scene because right after the neighbors step up, they're offensive by putting a flaming cross on the front lawn of Letty's house. 
seeing this on your front lawn, there's a very good reason why Letty reacts the way she does. Right. <laughs> By grabbing a baseball bat and going and busting out the windows of all the cars and bust, breaking all the bricks that are making all that noise. And the men at the party go and grab shotguns and protect her while she's doing this. And then her sister goes and gets in her car. And as they hear the police sirens approach, all the men throw their shotguns in the back of the sister's car. And Letty throws her baseball bat in there. And they all are on their knees with their hands behind their heads by the time the police get there. The cross still burning. The windows all smashed out of those cars. It is quite the spectacle. But they yeah. only arrest one person. They only arrest Letty. Well, and it turns out there's a reason for that, because the police chief wants to have some words with her. He's also going to rough her up a little bit. Mm-hmm. But uh, he wants to know how she got the house. You got tell me the name of that realtor, and I will and- have his head on a pack. Well, also, she he wants to know, you know, what Where'd she knows she about money. That. What do you, yeah? What do you know about this place? Um, Were you aware that forty five thousand dead bodies were buried down there, <laughs> down in that basement down that under their basement down? So, not only do we have another racist guy's cop, voice, this is the character he gets, though. <laughs> not only do we have another racist cop, but we also have a cop who clearly knows a lot more about this house and the history of this house than Mm. Letty does. And he also seems to imply that he knows he's a character who's going to come back. Right. Uh, Spoiler alert, he does. But, I mean, he sets, in this scene alone, he sets himself up as somebody who knows more than he should. Um, Mm. So, yay! I was a junior gumshoe when it happened. Well, it turns out that uh, the person who owned this house before was a, basically a mad scientist. And he, <laughs> is, he kidnapped and experimented on black people. When he died, they found all the dead black people in the basement. And so that's why the house was so cheap, because it's a, it is a murder house. Yeah. And little do they know, the ghosts of 14... 14- 105,000 victims of scientific misdeeds are haunting that house. Right. Throughout the episode, we've seen little hints that something odd is going on, and then they're not little hints. You see reflections of but the bathroom scene. The before we got into you know the Atticus and Letty having their moment you see a creepy reflection in the mirror. There's a scene and, early where uh, the covers are pulled off Letty while she sleeps. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's standard haunted, haunted house stuff. And then but there's the, the idea that skits. it's haunted, but we haven't been told why. Right. And now we're starting to put the pieces together. And we totally skipped the part where cousin and a bunch of other kids are up in the attic playing with a Ouija board. Oh, yeah. Right. And, and they ask, am I going to enjoy my trip? And the Ouija board says no. And then they say, who is this? Who are we speaking to? And the Ouija board spells out George. Nobody was happy about that moment. Yeah, that actually was going on during the party. You know, because every every good party needs a bunch of kids up in the attic playing with a Ouija board. Exactly. That's what we used to do at my parents' parties. Okay, yeah. It's the it's the little table of parties, you know, the yeah. Thanksgiving dinner little table. You get either basement or attic Ouija board. Or yeah. light as a feather, stiff as a board. That Some one. Oh, yeah, sure. That one too. Yeah. yeah. That one's a good one. And then there was a scene earlier at the garage or publishing house or whatever that George ran before that he ran his died out of, where his wife is Talking to somebody, there was a little flash. Did you see the little flash of George? No. There was like a little flash, and it was George for like a second, and he was standing there. I missed that. I'll have to go back. Yeah. Well, considering that George lives through the end of the novel, there's there's good reasons to think that we're going to have more of George. Mm-hmm. I mean, doesn't mean he doesn't mean you know he's going to come back completely, but it would not. I don't. Obviously, George's story is enough. There's a little bit of Lovecraft here again. The reanimator stories. 
of course, yes. was Lovecraft's mad scientist, Herbert West, who experimented, uh -huh. try, you know, he basically was, he would take dead people and then bring, you know, do experiments and try to bring them back to the dead. Not exactly what we have here, but considering how the show's villains, the Sons of Adam, yeah. are obsessed with immortality. And here you have this guy, you know, which is, of course, bringing somebody from back from the dead is a kind of, you know, trying to achieve a kind of immortality. Right. And, of course, you have these experiments, uh, which the police were obviously involved, by the way, with, with putting these black people in the less than good care of this doctor. Mm -hmm. um, and so, I mean, it kind of fits in, but it, it's, it's, so it's not exactly a one-to-one, -one, like so much of the rest of the show. It's not a one-to-one -to, -one to reanimator. But you can sort of see how the nod of the head is there to you know, mad scientist, immortality experiments, that sort of thing. Now with extra racism. Yay. Right. <laughs> so Letty does what any woman or person who has a mortgage and uh, has no choice would do in her situation. She hires a witch doctor to come and exercise her house. I do want to point out that this witch doctor is actually a friend or acquaintance of Letty's mom. And we get a hint dropped about what kind of person Letty's mom was. That she apparently had her own. She worked as a psychic at mm. one point, and everybody considered it a scam. And so that Letty's mom had her own set of disreputable actions. Yeah, Letty's not the only person in the family who has done things of a questionable nature. But she did manage to know somebody who actually did know uh, what you know is is actually connected to the supernatural. Mm -hmm. uh, luckily because yeah, right and so they bring the brewer over and i think that this was probably the best thing that they could have done to get the neighbors to back off she brings a goat with her and the first thing she does is she kills the goat right on the front porch just cuts its throat dead and they show they make you see that through the window as a white person is watching this goat get its throat cut on the front porch. And I would be like, yeah, I think if I were having problems with my neighbors, I would like, it would be a don't mess with me moment. Like, oh, okay, well, I'm going to kill a goat right here in front of you. Unfortunately, it also played in, can play into the image that these people have that black people are savages. Mm. So, I mean, it's a double-edged thing. She's taking this seriously. There is no question right. in, in this in this lady's mind that there's issues with this house. <laughs> right. So she, oh, oh, excuse me, sorry. So she does a bunch of charms, blood charms on the house and does a blood charm on each one of their foreheads because she says, if we have to go in here, we could be attacked and we need to be protected. And so they go into the house and unbeknownst to them, they are followed in by three white neighbors who've had enough. And they're going to stop this once and for all. So the Bruja takes them on cleansing out the house and they go into the basement where she says this is where the most of the paranormal activity is coming from. And meanwhile, all three of the white guys upstairs are just murdered to death by ghosts oh my god and in such wonderful ways yeah these are just epically wonderful deaths they're like mm, i'm doing that chef kiss thing <laughs> well and the, and the show's not afraid to linger on gore mm -hmm. and it does here which is i mean the, the effects are really cool we even get one of the deaths telegraphed uh when uh uh oh Lady looks in the, she's like, here's, we've got, we got an elevator and she, there's no elevator. So she yeah. looks in and then the elevator goes, zoom, right past, right past them. Yeah. At like 400 miles an hour, by the way. Which and they're is, like, oh, we got to get that fixed. And then like, apparently they don't because it cuts the head off one of those dudes. Yeah. We all know it's going to happen. He's like slowly nudging up to that elevator, just going to peek inside, see where it went. And then, and then he finds out. He, yeah. <laughs> yep. For a brief moment, he realizes where it is. <laughs> it's like, oh, there it is. Well, uh, if that were any closer, it'd be behind me. Oh, it's behind me. <laughs> they try and exercise the demons out of the the basement, the, the, the ghosts. But what happens instead is that ghost of scientists 
hits the water main and water shoots out onto them and washes off their protective charms. The Brua is pretty much beaten to shit, poor woman. Uh, thrown up against the wall and then thrown up against the ceiling. And, and first he possesses her and is like, get out of my house. And Letty's real scared and like trying to get away. And then, then Atticus attacks the Bruja and then he in, infects him. And that's when Letty gets pissed off. And she's like, you know, no, you get out of my house. And uh, she is able to use the anger and the fear of the ghosts that were trapped. You know, the eight bodies that were found of the eight people that were killed by this guy. And she uses them to help exercise him from the place. It's kind of a cool effect because you, when you see the ghosts initially you see them as the scary ghosts. They're warped and bloody and, you know, they're... They're yeah. the experimented on versions of them, right? Right. But by the time you... By the, by the time it's done, you see them as they were. Right. The people you see them as who, they, as who they are before this, this, this horrible things were done to them. And it's a really powerful scene. Why would you even make a giant... Just this giant man and then put a baby head on him? Because you're crazy. Because you're is, a mad well, scientist. But I think also that could have... If I can turn this gentleman into a baby-headed beast, he'll live forever, and then I'll know the secrets. Well, not only do we have the fact that, you know, a mad scientist, uh, racist mad scientist, mm-hmm. you know, he's not even viewing these, these people as people. So right. um, it's the first, the first glimpse I had of the baby-headed guy, I was like, what the hell? But then it got creepier. One of those, the, my initial reaction was almost to laugh. And then it was just like, oh, wait, no, that's, that's wrong. That's just that's wrong. That's bad. We're, this is bad. We're in a bad spot. This is all bad. <laughs> yeah, this, <laughs> there, is, there is no good place this is right now. Was the mad scientist racist or was that just the only people the police would allow him to um, experiment on? I don't know. It, we, we, uh, who knows? In this, in the book, it's very, very clear that he's racist. Mm-hmm. Uh, Letty doesn't actually exercise him in the book. He's the only ghost there, by the way. He's, his victims are not there. But basically, they come to an arrangement because she points out that if he kills her, then she'll be a ghost there. If he thinks she's hard to deal with now, <laughs> wait till she's a ghost. <laughs> then, you know, but not only that, they share the same enemies. He is a member of this Sons of Adam group, or he's connected to them, but there was a falling out. So he's not allied with them. And the fact that she's against them makes them sort of the enemy of my enemy thing. Mm. Um, so they work out a deal, essentially, that you know they're going to kind of work together. They'll tolerate each other. And... This comes back to play in later in the story. So I'll have to see what they do. Because it's with him being exercised here, a certain thing that happens in the last chapter of the book is unlikely to happen. Because <laughs> he's gone. But and that's okay. My default here is that if the racist police chief is providing you know, live human subjects to a mad scientist, and those live human subjects are all black people, I'm going to go mm-hmm. with the, the mad scientist being a racist too. Right. Okay. Yeah. I just and, didn't want to be fair about what, you know, the writers might not have written him that way and just wait well, for the podcaster like me to point it out. Well, and if you will, we'll have to remember this all for, for uh, our discussion of episode four, because with the things you're saying, it makes me think that, well, the police chief, when he comes back in episode four, that's his backstory, what you just described the ghost as having. He used to be a son of Adam and he there was some sort of falling out and he wants he wants it just as bad as Christina wants it. There's one thing that has become pretty clear by the time, and again, we'll talk about this more when we get into episode four. There's not a whole lot of loyalty among cultists. No. There's a whole lot of oh, but I want to be the grand poobah. And mm. <laughs> well, I mean, technically, Christina's not in the cult because she's not allowed because right. of her unfortunate vagina. Right. 
Well, her unfortunate vagina actually serves her pretty well because after all of this happens, Atticus figures out that it doesn't make any sense whatsoever that Letty actually got money from her, you know, she, okay, we know she didn't get it from the lottery. She admits that, the, she says that she, the money was supposedly an inheritance from, from her, her mother, mother, her estranged mother, the one that, you know, we, we've She already, didn't even go to the funeral, we've established. Right. And it, this really pisses her sister off. And, but Atticus figures out, this story doesn't make any sense either. Letty believes it, but it, he looks into it and figures out it's not true. He mm-hmm. figures out that money came from Christina. And for all the fact that Christina helped them in the first two episodes for her own reasons, um, he does not trust her. No. And, and, he's right, and he's right not to. And he also is pretty sure that she's a threat. <laughs> and yeah. he's right to think so. So he goes and he basically he says, I know what you did. And he tries to kill her. And it turns out that just like if you try to drive a large moving vehicle into her shiny car, you're not going to be able to. Right. Um, you can't shoot her either. Or at least Atticus can't. He can't pull the trigger. She can't be killed. But she does manage to look at him and basically, you know, he's frozen standing there with a the gun. She opens the blinds on the windows mm. and says, have you considered the possibility of what it looks like for a black man to be pointing a gun at a white woman? Mm-hmm. And I mean, and then she put, makes him lowers his arm and leaves. Yeah. She's, she's hit him with the big, one of the biggest threats she can do without actually hurting him. So it's, it's a pretty powerful threat. And she's so she just let, it. she's just letting everybody know what her arsenal is because mm-hmm. she ain't pulling punches if she needs to. I'm wondering if we're not going to have a face turn for her later because the things that she is doing, the things Christina does are very much like, I guess we have to be enemies right now. I don't feel like she's like, curse you Atticus and, and, and Letty. I will take, take the, the thing from your thing with the thing. You know, she's not skeletal in it. It's she's, yeah, it's it's what she's doing. It's not important that she's doing something to them mm-hmm. in the way of the thing. right. Well, and I, it's gonna it should be interesting how this plays out because again, and I just because I know what happens in the book, this is one of those shows where again, it is it is keeping to the big themes and a, and a lot of the big events, but there have been divergences, and mm-hmm. I'm kind of loath to go too much into what the book does too far in advance, right? Because things could be very That different. might not be what happens. Exactly. And um, and they've already, I mean, one significant change is that Christina is not Christina in the book. She's Caleb. And this improves the character. We've talked about this last episode, how this improves the character because it actually makes her motivations have more depth than just, I want to be in charge. This is more about, you know, her taking her own power against, you know, the people who are excluding her because she was born a girl. Mm-hmm. And so in the book, the relationship between Caleb and Atticus and Letty and everybody else, you can't actually describe it as an antagonistic relationship. Mm-hmm. And I'm really curious to see how it plays out with the rest of the rest of these episodes. Because Christina is a really interesting character. Yeah, I agree. And if we end up in the same spot as the book does in terms of how her story is going to end, I really want to see how they handle it. <laughs> because well, it's a, don't. It's a, yeah, I don't. We, we don't want to get ahead. We can talk about. We can talk about more when it happens. But right, he's an interesting. And I don't want to know any anything about the book anymore. Really. Like, you know, it's great that you've read it or whatever, but, <laughs> you know, I don't want to get spoilers from the book because we don't know what's going to happen in the show. Well, and the, and the show clearly is is using the book as a guideline uh, and, and doing some things the book couldn't do just because there's there's visual things that this book, that this show can do 
to really to really give us the the time and the place that the books just couldn't do because it's not mm-hmm. the visual texture. But anyway, she has very much been established as a threat of a kind, and we'll have to right. see where it goes with that. Good episode, really good episode. Yes, very very good. I was rather happy with it, even though it felt like homework to watch it because we're trying to get caught up on these podcasts. <laughs> well, well, I watched you know episode four today, so. Well, you know, when when I break down and I get HBO Max so I can watch this show. During a pandemic, you have to say during a pandemic after you say stuff stuff like that because, you know, then gravitas. Yes, gravitas. Yeah. Yeah, well, during the pandemic, I now have a Netflix uh, account. I now have a Shutter account. And I now have a HBO Max account. Bite your tongue, Tim. I tried that's to find more, that's more streaming media than I think I've ever known you to have. It is, in fact, more streaming media than I have ever had. I, I cut the cable cord in 2005. <laughs> and so, yes, I've... I've but I, I don't know how much longer beyond Lovecraft Country I'm going to keep HBO Max. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but anyway, you know, I'm, again, this is... We're, we're three episodes in for this show, we're talking about it. We're four episodes in in terms of watching it. We'll talk about episode four here in our next episode. There are only six episodes after that, and this show is going to be gone. Um, and at a quality level, it's one of the things that, that, if nothing else, this show is the writing and acting and, and, and design of the show is just gorgeous. I mean, it's just beautifully done. I'm really, really enjoying the show. As I am as well. Yes. Um, yeah. I went out to try to find coconut milk today in a pandemic. No. See how it works? I went and had pork roast uh, at my parents' house for Labor Day in, in a-, a pandemic. Wow. I I'm so went brave. and did laundry today in a pandemic? In a pandemic. Oh my God. this is not to downplay the fact that uh it is a pandemic so folks wear your masks which gallows humor one should google that if you need to well and and again we we have to remember just how funny this show is there were so many so many times uh i mean letty dealing with her house being haunted is really funny because she is not you know she's She's scared, but she's not going to be intimidated. Mm-hmm. And even the even the scene where she's got the bat, you know, attacking the cars, for all of it is a very dramatic scene. But the music is just fantastic, and in, and in, it's shot. You know, she's the hero. The hero shot. You're you're familiar with you know the stuff you see in movies. You know where you actually see the hero with the weapon standing there looking dramatic. It's a series of hero shots for her. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just every time she moved, it's a, it's a great moment. But there's this part of me that was just laughing with just how seeing her get that, take back that power against these racists. It was mm-hmm. funny. Uh, and, and still, the, you know, the racists being, mur- racist being killed by the, the ghost, there was a, there's a very dark humor to the, that scene. I mean, there's a, the, show, the show balances humor in, in here extremely well. We're going to go take care of our, oh no, we're all dead. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and we, we skipped also at the very, very end of the show, Letty has uh, changed her boarding house. It's no longer a place for all of her hippie artist friends to come hang out. It's, uh, it's a place for people who, who have really nowhere else to go, where they can go and, and be safe. And uh, the police come and they're like, have you heard anything about, or no, she's being interviewed by a newspaper. Right. And, and they're like, have you heard anything about these people who dis- just happened to disappear on the night you, you know, had your big party or whatever? And she's like, no, I have no idea. And then it, they get in the elevator and they go down, uh, they go upstairs and then the elevator goes down and it goes past the basement and into this cavern. And there's all the bodies of all the people that have died in the house, and probably a lot more. Yeah. So we'll we'll talk about the the elevator and the caves 
in episode four as well because there's a connection. It's it's a very strange elevator. It's cuckoo bananas, you guys. It's, it's a Wonka Vader. It's it's, it's oh, a Wonka Vader. Right, I think that would have to be a Lovecraft Vader. Love Lovecraft Vader. Lovecraft. <laughs> That's that terrible. Work. No, it doesn't work. No. All right. In that case, it would be a Raul Dahl Levator. <laughs> uh, it's Cthulhu Cthulhuvator? No, it doesn't work. Cthulhuvator. All right, folks. Well, that's enough about episode three of Lovecraft Country for this evening. We will come back and do this again for episode four, which is the history, a history of violence, and we'll have a lot to talk about then. Um, if you have been enjoying Lovecraft Country, please let us know. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter. You can find us on podcast.com and iTunes or Apple Podcasts, whatever you prefer to call it. You can leave us a comment. You can leave us a question. You can leave us a rating. We'd love to hear from you guys. If you think there's a show we should be watching, aside from the ones we normally watch, things like The Walking Dead, Fear the Walking Dead, of course, they're coming back. But, uh, you know, we are watching Lovecraft Country because we wanted to. If there's a show you think we should be watching or a movie you want us to talk about, we'd love to hear from you guys. Uh, and, uh, and we, of course, we appreciate you listening to the show in general. Um, as always, thank you so much. Dustin, thank you. Thank you, Tim. Thank you, Curtis. Thank you, Tim. And as always, folks, we thank you for listening to Zompocalypse Now. I do want to point out that I've been looking at our numbers for the last several episodes. Since Curtis has joined us, um, we seem to be having a growth in listeners, or at least the number of shows who are downloaded. We're presuming that you're listening when you're downloading the shows. Um, so definitely uh, for that, Curtis, thank you. Oh, I didn't. I'm happy to have a perceived effect that isn't provable. All Yay. I can, all I can do is go off the numbers here, Curtis, and you know. I'm happy. I I try to I try to convince people to listen because it's funny. Correlate. They, Correlation is not causation, but the evidence currently points to you coming onto the show and more people. I'll try, not, so. I'll try not to ask for more money. Yeah, well, have your agent call mine. <laughs> <laughs> mm. <laughs> All right, folks. Uh, again, thank you so much for listening, and we'll do this again on our next episode of Some Apocalypse Now. Zompocalypse Now is produced and recorded by Timothy Harvey, Dustin Adair, and Curtis Smith for Just Some Guy Productions. All rights reserved.